A very good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast brought to you by We Are Kevin. On today's show, we're going to be revealing our proactive risk control team of the week from the weekend's action in the Cully's Craft Bakery Junior Championship quarterfinals. We'll also be looking back over each of the four quarterfinals um, to dissect all the action. I'm delighted to be joined by sports editor of the Anglo Celt, Paul Fitzpatrick. Um, Paul, we done our predictions last week, and there was no need to do a, a recap on it. We both predicted all four winners. Um, there was nearly an upset, I suppose, on Friday night, but the rest of it kind of went to plan. Yeah, what what game were we arguing about, Damien? Come on, hold your hands up here. There was a game where you, where you said it was going to be two points, and I said not a chance. Yeah, it was the Shannon Gales Muncher Connacht game. Uh, yes. I, I, I thought that that would be close and my God was a way, way wrong. Um but we'll 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 get through that at the end. I thought I thought Templeport Drung may be close as well, but I I, I thought the tightest game of the weekend was going to be Shannon Gales and Munch O'Connor. Um but yeah, Shannon Gales definitely showed that they're they're gonna push push very hard to go further than they did last year and there's only one way they can do that, and that's by winning it. So, well, Damien, uh, uh, you you were hyping up um, Keevy McGovern last year, and myself and Mickey Mickey Hannon were were arguing with you. But, but no, you were absolutely taking the piss out of me. <laughs> well, you you compared him to David Clifford, but as yes. as, as things have gone on, uh, this lad looks like something very special. Yeah, he he he, without a doubt, is like. I, I look at I, and again I'd be and now I'm kind of on, on the cautious point of of going okay I, I don't want to overhype the kid because what he has is an amazing potential but that's where he's at at the moment it's it's potential but I think it was you sent me the stat he scored 440 so far in the championship 440 in five games in his first year at adult football um you know like that's that's ridiculous scoring for any young lad. Mm. Um, he, Consider, and, considering that he's he's still technically a minor, as we know, minor football, but as in under eighteen, um, you know, it's 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 very very impressive. Very he's, eight, he's eighteen years and what two and a half months at this stage. You know, th- there's 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 lads that are are still nearly being bottle fed at that stage, but he's he's stepping up and. What's what's really impressive about him is that, and and, and I've seen this through Cavan under 16s and 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 with Saint Moe's and Darren Creeve amalgamation and stuff like that, he's he's so comfortable on both feet, it's frightening. He is lightning quick for a man that's probably six two six three, you know. So there's there's a lot of pace to him, which is you don't see it that often in a very tall. Um, or in a tall player, and you definitely don't see it that often matched up with with amazing foot skills, like as in his kicking ability. Like he he was going for goals against Muncher Connacht in the first half, and and you'll hear on the on the Diehards podcast where I ask uh, Tom Riley, was it a was it a strategy? Was he told to do it in the first half? And and Tom just said, no, that's just his natural ability. That. He realised this is such a strong win. The goal is going to be is going to be very very important here. So in the first half he kept going for goals. In the second half then he he uh, he turned wind assisted and started kicking his points. So he just he is an awareness about him that's above his age as well to to do the right things in the right situation. So look at he's a very exciting talent, but there's there's a long way for him to go to to achieve his potential. But definitely, his potential is to be one of the best forwards in 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 Cavan over the last twenty thirty years. Yeah, I I I uh, went down to St Mogs College when they won the World Cup for the first time, and I I interviewed the manager and I interviewed um, Kevin McGovern from Corla, who was the captain, and Kevin, who was the man of the match in the final. And I was very struck by by Kevin McGovern at the time, and uh, I texted a friend of mine, and I was saying. Uh, you know, I sent him the match report, and I'm saying that this lad's after scoring something mad in this final. But albeit it was it was a low level of college's football, but it, it still was was a final. But um, he said he was asking what kind of player he was or whatever. But I I sent him on the quotes from from what Kevin said to me, 
And I asked him at the time, you know, do you want to go on and play up for Cavan? And he says, I don't want anything more than that. As in, it's the thing I want most, you know. So, and I was very struck by that. But I, I just hope now, uh, like yourself, I'd be very wary of overhyping any any young player, even though we get accused of it. But uh, we need, we do need to be wary of that. I just hope now that that the the fella himself puts everything he has into football if he can, if 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 the opportunity presents itself, and see how good he can be. Because uh, it's it's as a football follower, it's very exciting to see a fella who's still who's just gone 18 scoring heavily and you know having the having the size and the pace as well which is things you can't really coach uh, yeah. so it's it's great it's great but the, one of the talking points on the Die Hard podcast was about all the young forwards in, in junior football so people can listen to that before we talked we went through them all and there's so many exciting young players in, in junior football I think we're in for like with three games left in the junior championship unless there's a replay in the final and we're in for three crackers I think Damien because the four best teams are through to the, to the semi-finals now no doubt about it yeah without a shadow of doubt as we went through on the podcast we'll start off though looking back over um, the Templeport drung game which took place on Friday night in Kingspan Breffney you were with me on, on the live commentary on We Are Cavan um, Paul and, and where I'd start with with this game is is simple credit for drung I thought they were so well organised. I thought they had a a way about them that they were trying to stifle the the, the free scoring Templeport forwards, um, and I thought they executed it really, really well. Like they they were, I think I'm right in saying they were ahead at the first quarter, drawn at half time, ahead at the end of the third quarter, and just lost it in the final quarter, which was kind of hard luck. But um, huge credit goes to to Drung for the way they. They, they set themselves up the way they executed the game plan. But then, yeah, on the on the counter, you have to give credit to Templeport for staying in the game long enough that when the opportunities came, when the tired legs presented themselves, and then taking the opportunity when it came in that final quarter. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Like, you're going in there, if you're Declan Beard, the drum manager, you're going in there as underdogs against the Templeport side who has scored 13-60 in the group. Which is possibly a record, um, and to be fair, they, they didn't. They did play Mahara, but they they only and I say only in the commas scored. I think it was four thirteen or four fourteen against Mahara. So other teams have run up like like Kildallan ran up three twenty nine against Mahara. So the thirteen sixty, it wasn't inflated by a cricket score against Mahara, uh, so they were really were free scoring. So he got his tactical approach spot on. He knew that we need to, the only chance we have of winning this game. I won't say the only chance, but the best chance we have of winning this game is to be well in the game, level, a point ahead, maybe a point behind, coming into the home stretch, and let let's just see can we do it then? Because I don't think I don't think you were going to go and outplay a team like Templeport for an hour, and that's what they did. And they stayed. They got he through the tactics and the way the players applied it. I thought that. They got to where they wanted to get to. But like in the final analysis, I just don't think they were good enough to win the game. But they gave themselves the best possible chance of winning it. And they weren't I don't think they were they had it in the legs either, to be fair. And even the Templeport manager referenced that. But uh like the legs were huge in that final quarter. They if you look at Templeport finished the final quarter scoring two four, whereas Drung hit three points in that same period. Um and the first of them was was the first score of that final quarter, a free from Tiernan and Riley. And you can't talk about this game and not talk about Tiernan and Caelan Riley. Both, like, the, the, the game plan was set up to crowd out the Templeport attack and leave space for Tiernan and Caelan Riley to cause havoc. And my God, they caused havoc. What did they finish with between them? Was it eight, nine points or something like that? They finished with nine points. Caelan uh got three points in play and Tiernan got seven points, six coming from freeze and, and probably the best, the best score of the game from play he got as well. Yeah. So, so got, they got 10 out like of 11. Nobody else on the starting team scored for, for Jung. Stephen Jackson came on and got a point. So like, that tells you a lot about the quality of the Rileys and also, I suppose, about the, the lack of support that they had in terms of scoring threats. Like, there was nobody from the half-back line, the midfield, or the half-forward line even chipping in at one point which they probably would have needed that. But when you have two outstanding forwards like that, as we always say, you always have a chance. 
Yeah, without a doubt. On the on the contrast, then you'd take it to Templeport, and even though they were coming up a, a real against a really well organised defence, five of the starting six forwards scored from open play, which is very impressive. Like Shane Galligan with two, Dylan Rayton three, Nisha McKenna got one, Liam Galligan two, Owen McCaffrey got a goal from open play. So you know they have a lot of different ways they can hurt you. They have, yeah. We probably are maybe over it, um, going a bit hard on Templeport because if you look at it, the teams who cruised through the, the group stages in all the championships uh, had their hands full in the quarterfinals. The teams who absolutely you know, slaughtered all around them in the group stages. We saw Kingsford in the senior who were, who were top of the pile in the senior and like they were really slow out of the blocks in the first half against Mullerhorn and needed extra time to come through it. Bally Hayes even... Uh, against a weekend could hillside like took them a half an hour to come to grips with could hill or close enough to it now they pulled away well in the second half and they pulled away a little bit earlier than Templeport did um we said there was another yeah. we saw it in another game we saw it in a few games for where the teams who had who had been running through teams so like that's only natural i suppose when there's a step up in in quality or uh, you're into knockout football it is a different beast and larry riley referenced that as well like, knockout football in the championship is is different. This is this is winner bust now, and uh, teams are going to be really really throwing everything at it. That extra bit of desperation just it just you just can't get that in a game that, that's a group game. You know the gun isn't to your head. If the gun's to your head, you really have to have to uh, shit or get off the pot, as I say. But I thought Templeport really showed up showed up well at the end. Like in fairness, I, I what I thought was crucial, Damien, was the two points they got just before half time. Even though, like we're, we're we're focusing on the last quarter, but there were five three down after twenty minutes. Scores were, yeah. were hard to come by. They were they were missing chances. There was one passage of play just after they went five three down, where where they they played a pass the parcel maneuver from one wing to the other and trying to find space, and it ended up um, it ended up with, with Owen McCaffrey just out of desperation swinging his leg at it and snapshot and it just tailed wide and that was summing it up at that stage but they got two crucial points uh, Benjamin Kelly got the first one and, uh, and Dylan, Dylan Rayton got the second and they were both in injury time and I think uh, during the commentary we were co- we were making the the statement that or you made it actually that Drung now look tired you know how long can they continue with this this high intensity game of working so far back and then trying to spring forward at speed um, and you could tell the tired legs drung half time could have come two minutes earlier for drung because they, they really had run out of steam now they put in a brilliant third quarter again once they got the rest in but you're right those two points were crucial because they they probably showed Templeport that when these lads tire we're going to get our opportunities and that's what it transpired in the in the final quarter. Yeah, well, I think I would say I agree with you. I was saying this the other night on the on the commentary. I think the these quarters now, these water breaks, are good for underdogs because they're giving you um, something to aim for and and a chance to take a break. When when do you get a chance in a game to take a minute or two, get into a huddle? You know, it's like a timeout. And yeah. It's it's ideal for like I think I was mentioned the other night about how the, the English rugby team back under Clive Woodward used to used to break a rugby match down to in, into eighty one minute matches, and that's taken it to an extreme. But obviously, if, if you can break it into four quarters instead of two halves, it gives you that that thing to aim for. Get to the next quarter. Look look at the clock. Right, we've three minutes. Now we've three minutes to the next break instead of having twenty eighteen minutes. So. What we do now is we just hold possession. Let's get to the break and, and keep the scores. It is reset, come back, get our breath, get some water in. I think it gives underdogs more of a chance. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, whether we, I, I don't think we'll see it being kept after the COVID era, but um, but for the short term, it definitely it it becomes it's almost the other extreme of it is is the American football, you know where. Everything becomes about okay. What are we going to do right now? What are we doing next? You know, so it gives you that opportunity to almost evaluate your plan, and um, take a breath, have have a bit of a discussion without worrying about while I'm discussing it. Is the opposition coming thundering at us, or have I 
have I to uh, have I to try to go forward and get a score myself? You know, it's it, it it's just that little moment, that extra sixty seconds of of contemplation that makes a plan a bit easier to execute, and that's why it's a it it, it it's interesting, but I don't think it'll be kept. No, I don't think so. Either. By the time it finishes, because sometimes in the chaos, there's beauty. You know, that, I, I, don't, I don't think people. I don't think it should be kept. I wouldn't be pushing for it to be to be maintained. I just think in, in this window now where it's there, you know, it, it will have an effect on games. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So look, well done to Templeport. As I said, if you want to hear from the Templeport manager, uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash we are Cavan, where I caught up with Martin Smith after the game. A very, very good, honest appraisal of how the game went overall. Um, second game of the weekend then was Knockbride against Kill Shamrocks. Um, again, it it was it was more a case of in in this game that Knockbride kind of or Kill Kill Shamrocks goal in the first half I think kind of kept them in the game longer than than they they could have been. I thought Knockbride were in control in the first half even though they were in only two points up. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like territorially, Knockbride completely dominated the game from start to finish. If we're honest, like they they owned the ball for most of the game. Um, their kill did kick a few wides, but they were kind of um, they were breakaways. It wasn't a thing that they were, I didn't feel that they were very well constructed moves. It was just a thing we try and get a turnover and hoof it in long to Anthony Brady as quickly as we could, and it became clear for, pretty early on that that tactic wasn't really working. Um, and they, they persisted with it. I thought, I thought Kill mm. ran a, or didn't run very much ball. Maybe, they, maybe they felt that their best chance was was not running against that athletic, not bright defense. But I thought they went long a lot. Not always to Anthony Brady, but a lot of time to him, and they weren't getting much out of it. So, like, they, they were. Yeah, Sean Gaffney ran the ball a bit, all right, but but otherwise, I, I didn't feel that that it was working for them. Whereas Knockbride just had had so many ways they were able to hurt them. Like, you know, you had you had lots of quality up front there in the Knockbride team. Like Rogers, McKay, Burns were all playing well on the inside line. Matty Trainer, I think you gave him a mention on the commentary. He was no, he was so. he was key. I thought his playmaking was, yeah. was excellent. He's a real nippy little uh, playmaker, like in the Martin McHugh mold, small in stature, just thinking little passes here and there, and um, not a huge scoring threat. Uh, but plays plays intelligently. His head's up all the time. He can see passes and and can see them at speed, which I I have to say I was very impressed with him. Yeah, yeah. I've I've seen them last year. I think was the year where I went to every Collins match, and I think this year I'm going to every Knockbride match. Uh, I feel like I feel like I know the lads lads uh, personally, but I've seen him there a few times, and that's what he's like. He's like last week against Montreal, he was the same. Um, his movement is great too. Like he's a nightmare to, to to mark because he he does that that move where he's just walking along slowly and the back is standing beside him and then he just checks back and's gone and it takes the back yeah. a second to see where he's gone. He does that all the time. I, I think he's 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 probably one of the the lesser known lights on the not bright team, but he's a, he's a key figure and Roy Donahue as well, who is a very good striker at the ball. Like he finished with six frees and some of them were a very difficult frees. Yeah, but do you know what, Roy? While obviously his free taking is is something that you have to note, I think his general contribution from open play is brilliant. I think either in the middle of the field, he's very energetic, brilliant user of the ball. You know, you rarely see him give it away, and and then he's always an option when a half forward or even a full forward is is running into trouble. He's always there in the pocket, waiting for. Waiting for you if you need him, you know. I I I like Roy Donahue as a footballer overall. I think there's a lot there's a lot about the way he plays. There's a lot of thought goes into how he he positions himself, um, and not just his, his free taking. So he's he's definitely a player growing in in stature as well. Like physically, he he's he's strong enough now to get stuck in or in the middle of the field. The questions may have been in the past around Knockbride were they were they physically strong enough to to deal with the battles that you come across in junior championship. Um, I think there are enough players about them now that are physically strong enough and Roy is is a crucial part of that. But like their their full forward line for me, I was very impressed with Niall McCabe. I thought 
Um, I thought when Philip Rogers wasn't having the best game that I've seen him play, I thought he's been well marshaled, um, finding it hard to get into space. I thought Niall McCabe stood up, kept looking for ball, kept winning ball on the inside line and was a constant threat and, and reminded me of, well, it was you reminded me on the commentary with me that, you know, what we've seen of him as a county minor what he's capable of. Like there's there's a lot more to come from from Niall McCabe if he applies himself properly. Yeah, I agree. That was his best game that I saw as well. Like yeah, he was taken off, I think, against Den. Wasn't in the in that game at all. But I thought he was really good. He was a great outlet there uh, the last day. He he's an awful lot going from I was looking at him wondering why why is this fella not absolutely ripping it up with his ability? I, I'm starting to think maybe it's it's the position he's playing or something. That he's always been pigeonholed as a full forward. I wonder has he played in other positions? Because something yeah. like that could, you know, if you were to bring that fellow out to the forty or something, maybe that could to see him just fulfil his potential. Because I don't want to sound like I criticise him because I'm not because he he had an excellent game, but there's an awful lot in him. Huge, like he's a huge amount of ability. Um, I think Brendan Carlin as well on the forty. Like he's, I think he was away out of the country for a couple of years. And he's a great addition this year. He's experienced and and uh, uses the ball very well. He gets stuck in. Um, Michael Clark wing back is crucial as well. Like there's a bit of experience there in that upright side as well. And they they brought good players off the bench. Kieran Smith, Patrick Rogers, uh, in particular Ben Mulvey came on and set up a point for Sean Rogers, who also came on. Larry Maguire came on. He's got huge experience as well. So like, upright have 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 a lot going from Damien, but. I'd be interested to know do you see them the same as me that that there's still something fragile about them yeah yeah I, I, I have to say I, I I probably think talent wise they are the best squad on in the junior championship I think they're like Niall McCabe is almost a a, a, a small sample of what Knockbride are overall full of talent loads of ability probably should be doing better than they are though. Um and yet what I think they've they've tried to do this year is bring that bit of steel to their game. They 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 want to be physical. They they want to get about you. And I, I can understand why they're doing that. But doing that and not losing sight of your football ability, which I think is the number one asset, is the important part for them. But I think as the championship has gone on we're seeing them get better at, at getting that balance right. I think that they're they're, they're not going to be bullied by anybody, but they're they're still they're they're learning now how to play football while matching the opposition physically. It's just that it it almost seems chaotic watching Knockbride play. You know, we watch in, in contrast you watch maybe Templeport that I think that when Drung brought the huge bodies back they they look like okay. Well, look, we're we're composed. We know what we're doing. Relax. Take a breath here. We're going to we're going to figure this out while we've got the ball in our hands. Whereas not bright all the time. Seem that it's 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 high octane, um, full of energy, full of running. We're going straight at you all the time. Let's let's just go hell for leather at this for as long as we can. And I don't know is the thought behind everything to do to the same level as some of the other teams. Now, sometimes that can be an advantage because. When you've got such wonderful instincts, then play off the instincts, you know. Um, but I just, yeah, I, 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 I'm still just not a hundred percent convinced on Knock Bride yet. I wouldn't have them as as favourites for the championship personally, um, and it's yeah. just because I think that that some of the teams they they will come up against now may have, you know, maybe systems or plans. That might just stifle them, might just cause them little bits of of uh, of trouble or or huge amounts of trouble in a game, and won't just allow them to play the way that they they like to play that free flowing football. Yeah, I I know what you're what you're saying, and I, I agree that there's something about not bright that's just not convincing at the minute. I don't think it's that they're going out playing naively or anything like that. I know what you mean by chaotic, but I think it's more that there's just a slight lack of, lack of belief there that that they're just, they're inclined to, to kick wides, for example. They've been kicking a lot of wides or they're inclined they to... Tend, 
They had ten wides on 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 Saturday, so they, they missed one ten. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to do that, yeah. or, which I think in the team comes from comes from a lack of confidence or a lack of belief. It's not like I'm sure they're very well prepared by by Larry Riley and his management team, but it's it's um I, I don't know how to put, put my finger on it. Crush Law are very similar in profile. I think Crush like when Crush Law are at full flow, I think they play at a level of fluidity that that I don't think any other team in Cavan plays at. But they build a ten point lead against Garna and it's demolished in two minutes. You know that it's just it's just a sort of a flaw there that that whatever whatever comes from I don't know maybe it comes from being a young team or maybe it comes from uh, not having got over yeah. the line yet you know and that that's going to be there and that's going to be that sense is going to be around not bright and it's going to be around Krushala until they get their hands on on the trophy and then it's gone and that's just that's just the nature of yeah. it as a young team but. I compared them to David Price, the heavyweight boxer. They always say in, in professional heavyweight boxing, Damien, that uh, if you're not going to be like a world champion, the best thing you can be is a really hard-hitting heavyweight with a glass chin because you will get loads of fights. you get lots of work because everyone wants to watch it because something's going to happen. You're either going to knock somebody out or you're, you're going to get knocked out. And I think they'll probably have a bit of a David Price about them that they're, they're, uh, something exciting is going to happen. You know, their they're box office. Uh, and uh, it'll yeah something spectacular. You saw it last year, like um, against Killing Care. Something like they were about yeah. to pull off a big upset, and then they lose yeah. to that last minute goal. Something spectacular. Look at their Hills game. Absolutely spectacular. Something like that's going to happen with Upright yet. But I, I, I'm going to go. I still think Upright for the championship. I'm going to. I think that because I think they're not playing anywhere near their potential yet. And if they do play at their potential, I think the they are, they can play at a level that we mightn't see from other teams. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree 100% on the point they're not at their potential yet. And you're right, it comes from a youthful team. So there's there's a lot of... Um, and, and that's a good thing too, because the youthfulness hopefully is 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 them just garnering their experience. And, and you have to look at it too, like there's... There's all these ideas about, oh, well, you know, we bring through the youth and bring through all this youth. And they've been in the unfortunate situation that all this youth has come all at the one time with very little guiding hands on the field with them. You know, Brendan Carlin obviously is is experienced, Michael Clark as well. But they're, they, they don't have five, six, seven lads who have been playing for 10 years that can say, OK, lads, in this situation, in the field of play or on the field of play, in the middle of the heated action... Lads, take it easy. Listen to me. This is what we're going to do. You know, a little bit of guidance. And, and that can be a difficult thing for a team that is coming up in senior or, you know, junior football, but adult football, um, trying to make the breakthrough and not nearly having that on-field um, experience to, to help them. And that's I think that that's a big um, symptom of, of what not bright are at at the minute is, is just maybe a little bit more experience would do them no harm but they just don't have it and that's but the unfortunate situation it's uh, anyone from not bright listen to this should take it as a huge compliment because we are we are picking holes in not bright here and they've just won the game by 10 or 11 points so they've won a championship oh, yeah. by, by 10 or 11 points against a kill team who who are greatly improved and had picked up wins in the championship. So that shows that we're, we're holding Upright to a very high standard here. So the, I think any Upright lads listening should should be definitely shouldn't be insulted. If anything, should be complimented. Well, out of that, well, out of that. To to surmise kill twenty twenty, um, one word or maybe one phrase: massive improvement. Yeah, that's two words. <laughs> two words, one phrase. <laughs> Massive improvement. I, I thought, I thought I didn't overall. Hear, I didn't hear you saying uh, one phrase. Sorry, you just cut out for a second. Right. Okay. I said. I said one word or maybe one phrase. But anyway, it, like it, it was a huge improvement for Kill and Liam McDermott and, and Shane Mulligan have to take massive credit. Um, they they had all players available and they made huge progress. Like if if they can keep that bunch of players together, then there's there's the potential. Kill make progress again next year, semi-final, final. You know, they're. I think a, a good a good season of football would do them the world of good. Like the likes of Ben McIntyre, looks like there's lots about him. 
Um, Liam Gaffney, sorry, I think we should touch on Indy. I thought he was excellent in the middle of the field for Kill. He was. I thought he had a great first half. And he went out of the game in the third quarter a wee bit, I thought. And he came into it again then in the last quarter. I thought he was impressive. He got on lots of ball, delivered good ball in, and he, he's good in the air as well. But you know, I, th- I think he'll... I think what we have seen this year, Damien, is, there, is a real gap has developed in the junior championship where where the top four, those top four sides are in the semis now. They have all improved and they've all pulled away from the rest of the field. Like there was a big gap there over the weekend. Uh, like you'd, you'd not probably win in this game while kicking 10 points or kicking 10 wides and still winning by 11 points. There's, there was a gap in all those games. Okay, Drung kept it competitive, but they still lost by seven points. So what, what Killer yeah. does... Kill have pulled themselves up from a tier three junior championship team into that middle tier. And I think yeah. not, um, Muncher Connacht and Mary Nugent have dropped back from, they just needed a little nudge on to bring them up into the top tier. And, and they have unfortunately gone back and they're in that middle tier as well, along with the likes of Drung. Um, and Kildallan have possibly pulled themselves up into it now as well. Um, but there, there is well to be fair like again we're talking about Mahara leave Mahara out of it uh, altogether but I still think they're, 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 last year like with Kill and Kildallan they were they were trailing the other mid-ranking teams they have pulled themselves right up which is which is not easily done uh, but there's still a gap I think to that top level of junior championship teams yeah I agree I agree moving on the third game of the weekend then was on Sunday afternoon it was Shannon Gales against Muncher Connacht. And, and this, from start to finish, was a Shannon Gales victory. They were 2-5-4 to four, um, ahead at half-time playing against the wind. You know, Muncher Connacht really needed to be to be leading at half-time to have any chance in this game. Yeah, well, I suppose we, we talked about Kevin McGovern uh, at the start of the show, so there's no point going on about him too much, but... It sounds like uh, I wasn't at the game now, but reading reports and, and talking to yourself off air, it sounds like Shannon Gales just were excellent against the wind in the first half, and really that was like it was always going to be very hard for Munchcock after that. Would be right in saying that. Yeah, yeah, I felt I felt sorry for Munchcock in one way, and then kind of a little bit disappointed with them in in another that. They kept on just trying to go man for man on Quevy McGovern and, and, and Shane Walsh. And at this level, you can't go, you can't leave that amount of space. Like Ned Brunton was was on commentary with me. And as he was saying, was, you know, as a young forward coming in, which Quevy, as we said, is only 18, gone in July there. Shane Walsh is only 21, I think. Um, so as a young forward, what you want to see in this junior championship when you look out the field is that there's loads of green grass. And there was so much green grass around Shane Walsh and Quevy McGovern that they, they could allow it to grow into massive stacks and make hay because they between the two of them, they finished with two goals and 12 points. You know, Shane Walsh, five points from open play. He looked like a real prospect, I have to say. Um, very good player. And if you think that you're just going to worry about Quevy McGovern, then Shane Walsh will, will give you a second thought on that. And they also played with Andy McHugh, either in the middle of the field today or, or on Sunday, which isn't the normal situation. End is usually closer to goal. So they're, they're, um, by, by, by bringing end out, they created space, but they also have the option is if it's not working for Quevin and for Shane Walsh, end can go in there and create scores. So I, I, I like the way Shannon Gales are set up. I think, amazingly, Michal Colloran is still a huge part of this team in the middle of the field. Um, Sean McHugh, looks like he's growing in stature. He's starting to really take influence. Stephen McManus at full back is coming back to the sort of form that we've seen him maybe two years ago. I thought he was probably the best full back in the junior championship, I think maybe two, three years ago when I when I seen him first um, on a number of occasions. And then Jason McLaughlin looked absolutely excellent. You know, you're, you're talking about a Rolls Royce of a footballer, probably best footballer in junior championship and just trying to think is there, there there's nobody who has played as at as high a standard um left in the junior championship well barred maybe Mossy Core, you know, so like Jason McLaughlin is is absolutely crucial to to Shannon Gales. Um from Mudger Connett, as I said, just a little bit naive I thought in the way that they set up. They they really needed to 
deploy sweepers, um, even double team or try something instead of leaving Cuevin and, and Shane Walsh in one-on-ones. But they, they still have a lot of potential. They made a lot of changes before the game, which were, were strange enough. Like John McCabe started his first, I think this was his first start in the championship. No, he, um, started, he started last Sean, week. Did he start last week? Okay. Well, Sean yeah. Hendricks, that was his first start in the championship, um, Ned Brunton said. Yeah. So Endo Shea, who had been playing quite well, started on the bench. Um, Kent Fidojo came in. Now he's, he had been playing. But I, I just thought it was a strange time to make changes um, to a team that had been going going through the championship but making it to the quarterfinal. Now, having said that last week, I did say that the defeat that they suffered was was a was kind of one of those killer blows that, that it, it was going to be very hard to recover from and, and, and it did turn out to be so. I just didn't think it would be so devastating. I thought they'd put a closer battle up to, to Shannon Gales personally. Yeah, well, that like the forwards were very poor um, last week. Very poor. Like They did get a bit of ball and they were they made no use for it whatsoever up in Stradone last week. So scoring eight points again here suggests that the it wasn't much better. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I think much of Connacht, maybe they did, just didn't come out of lockdown very well. Some teams didn't. But in, in general, it was the younger sides, I I think, who who did do, do well out of lockdown. Maybe fellas who were able to get fit quicker when they came back, for one thing. But it's what the, you would imagine it would have suited them. But look, they're just going to have to draw a line through this year and go again next mm. year. Because as Tom it's, Riley said, it, it is a good much of Connacht team. It is. Like... Uh, the the other crucial point that can't be it can't be ignored is that Munster Connacht hit twelve wides over the hour. You know that it, particularly in the first half when they were wind assisted and they hit seven wides. That's that was probably the losing of the game from Munster Connacht. You know, stick stick those over, stick half of them over, and you're you're into a four point gap at half time. You know, stick them all over. And it's a draw game, so that that that's probably the point that Munster Connacht will look at. And I can I can understand maybe the style of football that Seamus Kieran and and Dara Shorten and Co want to play is man for man attacking football, and therefore they did create enough chances. So maybe what they need to look at is is how to finish more of the chances that they do create, if that's the way that they're going to play. But um, it's it's uh. It, it was a disappointing end, I'm sure, for Munch O'Connor because last year making the semi-final, they'd have felt, you know, well, there's lots of progress being made here. Let's push on another year, and and, and it's gone backwards, unfortunately, for for uh, Munch O'Connor. But look at winter, winter, uh, a couple of games coming in the league, and then an opportunity to to try to improve things during the winter before the new season starts in 2021. Uh, the final game then was then against Kildallan. Um, Joe, you know, this was it was a very interesting sort of a game too. While then always looked like the better side, and it it looked like an absolute runaway victory, and and it was. There was a lot of a lot of um, a lot of what Kildallan done caused then problems, in particular Ryan O'Neill and Dara McGovern. Yeah, <coughs> Ryan O'Neill. And Darren McGovern would make the forward line on any team in this championship, I think. I have no doubt, no doubt about that. I think they'd make yeah. most club teams in the county at any level. I think they're exceptionally good players. And I, I didn't see Kildallan this year. Um, but from what I have seen of Kildallan the last couple of years, Ryan O'Neill and Darren McGovern would be, would be far and away their best players. Um, and it just happens that both of them are, are scoring forwards, which is unusual. That I think there's... You know, there's a, the general standard of the Kildallan team is not great at the minute, but they have two unbelievable scoring forwards up there, which which is unusual. Yeah, yeah, and then they have Shane McParkland, who's coming back from injury. Um, you know, probably he came on after about maybe 15 minutes in the game, but needed um, didn't didn't fully get up to the to the standard he's capable of. Now, he's had a horrific few years of injury. Like I, I I'd say he's um he's he's probably lucky to be playing to be honest. But he's he's another top top quality player. Um and if they had him all of a sudden 
you'd be saying that there's there's real potential for that side to compete for a junior championship. But they like the middle of the field, Owen McPartland and Niall Cassidy, they, they seem to do you know well in all their battles. I don't think they ever really dominate, but they're never really dominated either. Um they, they, like I thought Oshin Kiernan and Connor O'Reilly won won the ground battle there. They may have had more of the legs to get through um the, the big space in Kingspan Breffney, but I thought anything that was aerial, probably McPartland and, and Cassidy, you know, they, they they at least broke even, if not maybe edged the battle there. So but it may be just that for Kildallan they don't have enough of a panel to um to really impact or to really just get through a grueling group stage into a quarter final. Um, you know, and they I think probably being, needed a few more games. I think you're being very kind, Damien, saying that if Shane McPartland was mm-hmm. back, that that they might have potential to push on. Like if you look at if you look at Kildallan's results, like they lost by eight points to Munch Connacht in in the group stage. They beat Marha, they lost by four points to kill. And they had a great win against Red Hills. And the, the Red Hills win was basically their championship because they were always going to beat Mara and they had two losses and then they have, they have a heavy loss there. So I do think Kildallan are still a long way off it. Like the Red Hills win was a, was a big statement, which maybe just elevates their status a wee bit. But like, I still think they've, they were a long way off winning the junior championship, to be honest. On the Den side, um... Interesting enough, and again, we'll hear on the Die Hards podcast from Stephen Baxter, the then manager. Um, you know, he t- he talks about. I I was kind of saying how Ryan O'Neill and Darren McGovern were causing problems, and and yet they didn't deploy a sweeper. It, it he says that that they had a plan to do it if necessary, but don't want to do it, and that that states a lot that they're willing to go out and barcelona esque you score four, we'll score five, or you score 14, we'll score 319, you know, and they have the forwards to go and execute it, like Sean Donahue, Ben Connolly, Thomas Edward Donahue, um, Cavell Keoghan, you know, they're, they're, they're the top forwards in this junior championship, you know, on their day. Yeah, completely, I agree, Damien, and like, even the likes of, of James Brady there, that is not as, as well known as, as those names you mentioned, He's a, he's a really tidy player there, wing back, really good young player. Um, Connor Riley are in the middle as well. Like he was a, he started for Cavan on the twenties there a couple of years ago up in Derry, I think I remember. So, um, the, the, they do have loads of quality. They've loads of quality and mm. they're they're well organised. And Stephen Baxter's getting a good tune out of them. Like they bottomed out last year. Like Jesus, that that then panel never should be failing to make the knockout stages of a junior championship. They did far too much quality on, on their panel for that. But last year, they just things went against them. But uh, I think they're with the quality they have, this is where they should be. They should be in the last stages of it. And they really should be contesting the, the title. So, uh, so far, so good for them. I haven't seen them uh, now. I saw them against Swan and Barron. I saw them against Nutbride. I haven't seen them now since Kevall Kjogan came back into the team. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing that because that's another strength of our bow. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. They they look well organised. Um, they look like they were they were playing to a particular style that they wanted to execute. Um, you know, little things like kickouts. You can see strategy. You can see ideas behind it, and you can see their their ability to execute them. So, I think that that'll that'll prove vital for them. And for me, that they're my favourites to go on and, and 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 win the junior championship. I think that they have that balance, like Mossy Core. The experience he's going to bring to that team, you know, is I think completely underestimated. Maybe um, I think they're just their Michael Gaffney, Bernard Gaffney in the back line, you know, Andrew Cusick Smith. They're they're ruthless man markers on the day. They can do the job and, and and they're physically very strong. They'll stop players, yet they still have the mobility in the wing backs. They've got two ballers in Mark McSherry and James Brady. Um, you know, I, I just like a lot of the boxes that Den are ticking at the moment. I don't think by any means it's a done deal. I think they're just ahead of, of the other three that are in the semi-final at this moment in time. But but I say just ahead, a point or two is all you'd give them um, in terms of advantage. So I think it's it's a very, very close junior championship. The semi-finals could go either way. Um, and, and it'll be it'll be a, a brave man that, that, that says with any certainty 
that such a team is going to win this junior championship. Yeah, completely. No, it's, I, I'm really looking forward to them. I think this year there's nearly as much interest in the juniors as there is in the senior. There's because there's so so such quality there um, in the last four. Like it's it's making for a hell of a championship now. So now, folks, it's time for the Proactive Risk Control Team of the Week. Um, we have a lot of nominations in this week, Paul. Um, and surprisingly enough, I think this is the first week we'll start off, obviously, with goalkeepers. But we had four nominations in for goalkeeper of the week. Um, and it was James Lynch from Knockbride, uh, Mark Fagan from Den, Liam O'Reilly from Shannon Gales, and Dion Johnson from Kildallan. Um, four good performances. Yeah, well, I, I saw the the not bright goalkeeper, and I thought he did very well. The one shot from Sean Gaffney in particular, which looked destined for the net, uh, it was a long range effort that he did very well to to keep out because it was dipping. Um, I thought he was very good. I believe Mark Fagan was excellent again as well, Damien. But you saw all the games, so you'd have to make the call on this one. Yeah, I I, I definitely I, I thought Mark Fagan had a very very good game. I thought Gian Johnston's kickouts were were very good for. For Kildallan, um, but for me, probably Liam O'Reilly would 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 get the nod. I thought the balance between what he done from his kickouts, his his um his his presence in the backline, like you can hear Liam talking all the time, you can hear him communicating. Now maybe that's um a bit more evident now that 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 we're in limited numbers at the games, but um I just thought overall a couple of crucial. Saves high balls coming in dealt with. I, th- I thought Liam O'Reilly deserves the nod for me this week. Okay. So our full back line then the nominations are Greg Rossiter from Drung, um, Seamus O'Reilly from Kill, Stephen McManus from um, Shannon Gales, Declan Nulty from Knockbride, Connor Smith from Knockbride, and Donald Flanagan from uh, Shannon Gales. Any comments? I think Connor Smith was really good. I, I was impressed with him in the last couple of weeks for an upright. Um, he's he's aggressive, but he can play ball as well. And like he came up and got a crucial point for an upright in the first half. So I would I would uh, be pushing for Connor Smith to get a cornerback spot, Damien. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I thought I thought he was excellent. I thought um, the other cornerback spot that I I personally go for. I think we'll we'll give to Greg Rossiter from Drung. I thought his his type of performance epitomized what Drung were trying to do. It was throw your body on the line, blocking kicks, getting yourself injured, you know, putting putting your head in as the say where a boot wouldn't go. Um, you know, I thought his energy, his his willingness for the cause was was absolutely crucial to let Templeport know that nothing was going to be easy. On Friday night, I thought I thought Greg was absolutely class. Yeah, I thought I thought he was very and, good. Yeah. And on uh, and for the fullback, I think Stephen McManus um, from Shannon Gales should get the nod here. I thought again starting to come back up into the physical presence that we've seen a couple of years back. Um, just commanding, now he, he he was kind of coming out the field at certain situations, following Shane O'Reilly um, as needs be out the field and, and looks comfortable on the ball but he looks like a real old school fullback there again and, and I thought that he had a real commanding presence in there for, for Shannon Gales at fullback so I think we'll give Stephen the nod a three Okay So moving moving on to the half back line of the proactive risk control team of the week um, the nominations in were Daniel Fitzpatrick from Shannon Gales Mark McSherry from Den, Jason McLaughlin, Shannon Gales, Benjamin Kelly from Templeport, James Brady from Den, and Oren Duffy from Templeport. Um, any standout players that you? Well, from everything I've heard about the Shannon Gales game, Damien, Jason McLaughlin's a shoe in. I believe he had an excellent game, and you were, you were singing his praises earlier on on the show. So I think Jason McLaughlin's got to go in there at six anyway before you go any further. Sorry, one more nomination, DJ Cassidy from McBride. Uh, that was sent in as well. Um, yeah, on Jason McLaughlin, ab- absolutely. A shoe-in at six. I don't think anybody could complain about that. Um, a lot of good performances. And, and it's funny, in, in particular games where 
the halfback line became very, very important. Like, for example, for Templeport, Oren Duffy and Benjamin Kelly, it was vital that they were making themselves available for ball because their players had retreated back in as sweepers. So they had to become playmakers and, and good users of the ball um, out in that middle toward. And I thought, I thought in particular, Oren Duffy stood up for me, um, you know, done, done everything he possibly could from that middle toward. And in the, in the final quarter, Templeport, they had they had the legs just to um to 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 exploit those gaps and Benjamin Kelly the same coming up with a point so um good performance I thought Mark McSherry handled a huge amount of ball for Dane and and I don't think he really put a foot wrong like James Brady the same it was that same scenario where they were in that middle tour and seemed to have a lot of freedom to get on the ball but you know sometimes a player will maybe shy away from that and and not not put their hand up and go and get on the ball but. Both Mark McSherry and, and James Brady um, definitely offered offered every single time that then were in possession. They wanted the ball. I thought DJ Cassidy, um, he's he's an absolute class player in terms of his tackling, his work rate going back, but then what he does on the ball coming forward as well. Um, there, there's a lot of quality in DJ Cassidy there. So I think the, the players I'd go for would be Mark McSherry, Jason McLaughlin and DJ Cassidy would be the half-back line. Yeah, I agree with that. I think DJ Cassidy, particularly when, when Upright left him as a spare man, he, he played that role really well. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think that's a pretty solid half-back line, Damien. Excellent. So on to the proactive risk control uh, midfielders, team of the week midfielders. Uh, the nominations were Conor O'Reilly from Den, Ushin Kiernan from Den, uh, Liam Gaffney from Kill and Roy Donoghue from that bride. Well, from from watching the kill and upright game, I think it, it would be hard to look past uh, Gaffney and Donahue. Uh, Roy Donahue scored six frees and was involved in play all around all around the field. And I thought Liam Gaffney like was really good in the air, made some made some spectacular marks and linked the play really well. Delivered good ball inside. I was saying earlier where they, they probably overdid the long ball inside, but he was one player that was given good ball into his forward. So uh, I thought. Personally, they were the, they were the two best I saw. Yeah, I I I thought the same. Actually, I have to say, Conor O'Reilly, I thought very very close to to making it for me. Um, but where where what I like about it is Liam Gaffney. He he's happy to play the defensive role in the in the middle of the field when necessary. His his turnovers, his tackling, his his defensive positional uh, sense is excellent. Uh, but we've seen more of his attacking play. Um, at the weekend against Knockbride, and I thought that that it really stepped up, and, and particularly on kickouts, um, anything that's long towards the middle of the field, Liam Gaffney is going to be a threat on it, whether it's the the kill or the opposition kickout. So, I think um, definitely, I think the, the 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 two midfielders I'd be happy to go with would be Roy Donahue and Liam Gaffney this week. In the half forward line, then the nominations are Shane Hanley from Muncher Connacht, Cavell Kyogen from Den, Dara McGovern from Kildallan, Brendan Carlin from Knockbride, Dylan Raythorn from Templeport, and Matthew Trainer from Knockbride. Give us your thoughts. Trainer's got to be in there. He's got to be in there. And, and not just because I mentioned him a hundred times on commentary. No, no I'm low. I'm low to mention the man again after that experience, but. Uh, I thought he did really well in a playmaking role. I doubt there was a better number ten over the weekend, uh, so I I would be pushing for trainer to be in there anyway. Yeah, can't argue. I I think he uh, I think to be fair, I mentioned him a lot, but I never mentioned him when he wasn't on the ball. You know, so um, you know, a really really good display by by trainer. Um, I thought there was a lot of good displays overall. Uh, Darren McGovern though, for me, scoring three points on Bernard Gaffney and Thornton supplier for a lot of what Ryan O'Neill done I thought um, he, he definitely deserves to be on the, the team of the week for that performance and then Cavell Keoghan for me again that that then forward line with Thomas Edward Sean and and Ben on the inside line and then Cavell outer on the half forward line you know spraying ball in he's he's looking fit he's looking in in good shape his frees have been pretty much flawless i just looking to see did he did he miss any frees 
Um, I've no missed freeze down for Den over the over the hour against Kildallan. So he was he was flawless from the dead ball, which was four from freeze, um, two from open play. But I thought Cavell's overall contribution is a huge asset into that Den forward line. So I'd be I'd be going for Cavell, Kyogen, Dara, McGovern, and uh, Matthew Trainer as the half forward line. Yeah, that's no bad half forward line. A few scores in there, Damien. Damn right. So the full forward line, always the trickiest to pick. Um, a huge amount of talent in here and a lot of nominations come in. Uh, so we start off uh, with Drungs, Kaelon O'Reilly, or Kaelon Riley, Shannon Gales, Shane Walsh. So Kaelon O'Reilly scored three points from open play. Shane Walsh scored five points from open play. Creven McGovern scored 2-7 uh, for Shannon Gales. Niall McCabe Jr. was outstanding. May have only got a point, but I thought very, very good. Uh, Ryan O'Neill, eight points for Kildallan. Thomas Edward Donahue won six for Den. Sean Donahue finished with 1-1 one, one for Den. Ben Connolly finished with 1-2. Philip Rogers um, in with 2-1 for Nutbride. And Tiernan Riley with seven points for Drung. That's some scoring going on in the full forward line. That's serious scoring, yeah. The, the report I'm looking at here has Ryan O'Neill down for 10 points, Damien. Uh, seven it's a freeze. 10, maybe so. Yeah, so like, um, I think Ryan O'Neill... Has been very close to team of the week the last couple of weeks, and uh, I think this could be his week. Yeah, I. It comes with it comes with the the added that he was being marked by Mossy Core. That's that's never an easy task. If if you can go out and and as a twenty one twenty two year old and and hit that sort of form against a player of the ability and, and the quality of Mossy Core. I, I, I definitely think that adds on an extra few scores to whatever tally you manage to get. So I think Ryan O'Neill would 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 definitely be in for me. Quevin McGovern is is an absolute cert. There's there's no way he can't be in there. Um two seven two of or uh, what did he get from open play in that? I think he scored three, three, three. free so two Right. Yeah. Okay. I've I've done four four from open play and three from freeze. Um. But again, phenomenal stuff. Did I break up a bit there? Sorry, I, I lost my fucking uh, headphones. Go All ahead. right. Okay. Um. And then it's it's it's. Uh, let me see the, the the last of them. Like Shane Walsh, I thought was excellent. Five points from open play. Some of them were very very difficult ones. We we forgot to mention Ryan O'Neill hit a sideline on this. So that's that's another. You hit a sideline or free from the sideline, you're you're going to get in onto the team of the week. I think a lot of the time anyway. Um, ben Connolly, I thought looked like he's back to his usual self, full of tricks, as as Mickey Brennan said on the on the commentary, breaking ankles everywhere with with his nimble footwork. Um, Sean Donahue looking excellent. Philip Rogers, do you know I'm I'm not that sure that Philip Rogers is in the hunt. I know he scored two one, but I thought he was actually quiet by his standard. Like he's a he's a class act, but I didn't think he was at his best. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He he definitely was a lot was a lot better the week before. Like he and that's again testament to him. He scored. Two, he finished with with two one from play, um, and had a quiet game by his standards. So I, I don't think yeah. he'd be on a contender for the PRC team of the week. Yeah, no. Um, I think maybe we go with Tiernan Riley in, in the other corner. If we go with Quevin McGovern, Ryan O'Neill and, and, and Tiernan Riley as a full forward line for this week's proactive risk control team of the week. Yeah, I thought Tiernan Riley was outstanding. Himself and his brother, Caelan, everything went through them. Um, you know, if one of them scored... Uh, almost every time it was set up by the other or the other fellow won a free or something like that so it was a two-man show up front for John and I think Tiernan Riley definitely deserves it Yeah, okay so the proactive risk control team of the week for week seven is Liam O'Reilly from Shannon Gales and Goals a full back line of Greg Rossiter from Drung Stephen McManus from Shannon Gales and Connor Smith from Knockbride the half back line is Mark McSherry from Den Ben or uh, Jason McLaughlin from Shannon Gales and DJ Cassidy from Knockbride. In the middle of the field is Knockbride's Roy Donahue and he's partnered by Kill Shamrock's Liam Gaffney. In the half forward line, Cavell Kyogen from ten wears ten from Den wears ten. That's a mouthful. Uh, Dara McGovern from Kildallan wears eleven. 
And wearing the number 12, it's Matthew Traynor from Knockbride in the full forward line. It's Quevin McGovern from Shannon Gales in the corner. Ryan O'Neill from Kildallan at full forward. And Tiernan Riley from Drung at number 15. So congratulations to all who made the team of the weekend, to all who are nominated. Don't forget, folks, we'd be delighted if you get in contact with us to let us know who you think should pick up the Proactive Risk Control Player of the Week. We'll be announcing that on the Die Hard podcast on Wednesday or Thursday morning. Um, but you can get in contact on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or you can email us at wearecavan at gmail.com. Thanks very much, folks, for listening to the McAvoy's Super Value GEA podcast. On the Die Hard service, we'll be looking back over the ladies' finals uh, or the ladies intermediate final from last weekend where Drumlane picked up the championship and we'll be looking ahead to all the action this weekend with both Drumlane and Lacken out in the Ulster Club Championship. That's with Aideen Coyle. We'll also be looking ahead to the Horland final between Mullahorn St. Joseph's and Coot Hill and we'll be looking ahead to all the weekend's action in the Hotel Kilmore Intermediate and Senior Championship semi-final. So plenty over there on patreon.com forward slash we are Kevin. Paul, thanks for joining me. Hope you have a good week. Thanks, David.